What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Draft Eve, Bengals fans, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you for our weekly episode. We have been absolutely hammering you with all kinds of content this week. I hope you have enjoyed our ongoing NFL draft coverage. We've got more coming tonight, another big guest, and a lot to talk about, our mock draft. I am Anthony Cazenza. Join on the far, my far right, I guess your left if you're watching us live, John Sheeran, my usual co-host. John, how you doing, my friend? Not bad. Not bad, all things considered. I think I have nothing more than that. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got it. Big, Big day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Are you tired already? You can't be tired, dude. We, we, we've got a lot. I, of- I've, been ex- I've been exhausted this past <laughs> month. I think I'm just starting now to realize it. So. Yeah, well, we've got uh, – you, you're going to share some stuff with us later in terms of some of the work you've been putting in for this, not only the draft but the entire Bengals offseason. Um, and we are the Thorns – Outside of the rose in the middle, that is James Rapine yeah. <laughs> of, of now Sports Illustrated. The prodigal son has returned to Cincinnati. James, welcome back. It's great to have you back on our program and great to ba- have you back on the Bengals beat. How you, how you been doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited. I'm excited to cover a draft. It was weird last year not covering the NFL draft, so I'm happy to be back. I think well, it's, uh, it, it's an exciting time, too, I think, to be covering a team. I started covering the Bengals, uh, like going to the locker room, all that stuff in 16. So it was a bad year to start. Yes. So I feel like this is a good year to start. So it's uh, kind of the opposite of, of what it was a few years ago. Well, hopefully you're bringing the good juju with you because we've, okay. we've the last couple of months, we've had some of the members of the 88 Bengals Super Bowl team join us on the, on the program. We've been very excited and blessed with that. And like you said, maybe you are another good luck charm for the team coming back to the Bengals this year as they hold the number one overall pick. James Rapine of Sports Illustrated and the All Bengals blog within the Sports Illustrated Network is joining us courtesy of New Era Caps. You can see the lid I've got on uh, right here. Bengals hat. Go get your Bengals draft gear courtesy of New Era Caps. They took care of us on this show and they put out some great products for the draft this year. Go check that out. James, let's just start with it. The news that hit the wire today, at least. Part of the rumor mill, Joe Burrow, pretty much a done deal, right? No surprises. Seems to be the guy, the Bengals. You know, you're hearing things like, hey, we're turning off the ringers. We're not really listening to deals, all that sort of thing. Um, no surprise there. Good fit. And he, he was your pick in the mock draft that we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is... It was a no-brainer. Look, you're the Bengals. You need a, a franchise-altering quarterback. You don't just need franchise QB. You need a guy who can alter the, the state and the direction of your franchise and really 
for the first time since 2003, they're in a position to do that. So I, I certainly thought it was, it was Joe Burrow all along. He was impressive during the combine, as we know, uh, from an interview standpoint. And uh, the Bengals have maxed out their interview time with him. So I, I think they, there were all the signs pointing in that direction. And then obviously we get the, the word, not necessarily officially, get multiple reports though today. We knew it was coming that uh, Joe Burrow is going to be uh, the number one pick and the Bengals are going to take him tomorrow night. Do you have like one, we've asked this question a lot to other people and just this question has been floating around, but like, it seems a lot of people just have very similar opinions on Burrow, but is there, a, is, to you, is there one thing that he just brings that you're most excited about for the Bengals? Well, we, for so many, so many of these quarterbacks, we talk about it factor and we, you know, we talk about, especially when they go this early and, and we talk about the, the leader that they are. Uh, I, I remember saying that about Baker. I remember saying that about quarterbacks before that during this process. But I think Joe is going to be a guy that completely commands the the locker room in, in his, he's been compared to Tom Brady a lot. I'm not going to compare him to the greatest quarterback of all time or the, the, the most winning, most successful quarterback in NFL history. But the one trade I think they both have is whether you're the 53rd guy in the locker room or the go-to wide receiver, you will follow Joe and you will trust him. And I think that that trait is going to carry over instantly. I think the first time uh, he talks with his teammates uh, like this virtually, and then the first time he's throwing uh, to A.J. Green or John Ross, which, heck, he's already thrown to John Ross, uh, when that happens at a training camp, and that's when I assume it will happen for the first time, I think he'll be the leader from day one. And when you look at Andy Dalton and Carson – which those are the two guys that have led the Bengals in the past. I don't think that was the case, at least from day one. I think uh, Carson was a little hesitant at times and, and had questionable leadership skills at times. And, and Andy Dalton, you, you just wonder if he just didn't have it. But he, he wasn't really drafted for that. Burrow is going to be, and uh, I, I think he does have that it factor. We talk about it a lot, and I know it's cliche, but I actually think Burrow, uh, of all the prospects we discuss, I think he's a, a guy that really is going to be able to lead uh, by example, and, and get the guys in the locker room to follow it. James, the last couple of times you've been on our program, you were also kind of covering the Browns beat a little bit, and you, we, you talked a lot of Baker Mayfield. I'd like to get your thoughts before we kind of move on to other facets of the draft, but I'd like to get your thoughts on Baker, the prospect from a couple of years ago, Burrow, the prospect now. I know it's a little bit, you can have a little bit of a biased opinion because subpar year from Baker last year, but I guess, you know, kind of compare the, the potential career arcs of both of those guys and, and the levels that they are as, as prospects as Burrow potentially heads to the Bengals. I mean, is, is his, does his ceiling seem a bit higher than Baker's, in your opinion, especially since you've been so close to the Browns over the past year or so? I, I think that it's an interesting question, you know, and, and I, I think that when you – you look at both of them, and I was high on Baker. I was high on Baker when I, I covered the Bengals. I yeah, thought he was. I remember that. Uh, he should have went number one, I, and, and I'm I'm glad he did because I thought he was deserving, and, and I think he dealt he dealt with and is dealing with a lot of dysfunction in Cleveland. So um, when I look at both of those guys, I think Burrow has a actually a higher floor. We'll start there. I think he's much safer. He's taller. He's stronger. Uh, he's a, a better athlete. He doesn't have as good of an arm as Baker, uh, in my opinion. But all of those other things, and then the intangibles, Burrow has that fire, but he's also not going to get into beefs with Colin Cowherd and start controversy for no damn reason. <laughs> he doesn't care about Colin, right? He's not going to specifically 
name people in, in, in stir up controversy, at least not yet. And I, I just, I don't think that's in his DNA. Part of that's because his dad's a coach and I think he knows how to lead uh, in, in how to, to take his lumps and, and how to deal with losses and wins, et cetera. And, and Baker's learning that uh, as far as ceilings go, I think they're similar. I, I would still give the edge to Burrow because I, I think he is a better athlete. I think he can run the ball better um, than Baker, which matters in, in this day and age. I think he's more mobile and, and, and really there are limits when you're six foot, there are limits. We saw that last year with Baker. It was a, you know, he had bad offensive line play, and it was harder for him to overcome. I, I do think height matters to a degree. So I think Burrow's physical traits are better, and I think he's a better leader. So I'd give him the edge, but but I'm still high on Baker, bullish on Baker, that he could turn turn things around uh, in Cleveland. And, and that's, that's the crazy part about this, guys, and I won't be too long-winded here, but the AFC North is loaded. I mean, there really isn't a, a weak team. I mean, I, I could look at the Steelers and say – they might have the fourth best team, and that would not shock me. You know, depending on what the Bengals do in the draft. So, I think uh, I think it's going to be a tough division, an extremely challenging division here this season for Burrow in his first year. I think that's. I think you kind of hit the nail on the point there, where it's as Baker going into the draft and into his career, he was known for this fiery confidence and this fiery passion. Whatever he planted the flag at OSU with Burrow, it's it's a different kind of confidence. It's like he carries himself a lot better he knows when to unleash that but he knows when to be reserved and you know, obviously you've been close to baker or you, you've covered you know, baker in cleveland or whatnot do you get the sense that you know burrow because like you said the Bengals could be good this year if things go right around burrow and burrow is able to translate into the nfl quickly if things don't go right you know there's this concern about you know what happens if you know the Bengals don't get off to a fire start how is burrow going to respond to that is he going to go to the baker route is he going to be you know more of a leader in, in that sense is is that the main is that the main component here? Is it the, the difference in how Burrow um, maintains adversity or overcomes adversity compared to a guy like Baker, and, and the difference in just the demeanors in that sense? Yeah, absolutely, John. And I think it's some people need to learn out of college how to be a professional, and others are a professional. And that's not me ripping Baker, but there's just there's certain things you can do, and certain things you can say, and certain ways you can lead. And let's look, for example, at Burrow. If the Bengals go four and twelve, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, and you know that would stink, right? But you know, I, I think that that's still uh, a realistic, maybe their floor, but a realistic outcome this upcoming year. I don't think Burrow's going to fly off the handle. I think he'll be extremely frustrated. I think he'll want to improve things, and he'll work extremely hard to do so. And th- there's a difference. Tom Brady is not afraid to mf his teammates. Right, but he's not going to get into beef with the media, and there there is a fine line, and I think Burrow is doesn't cross it, and I think at times Baker has crossed it in his career. And when you're going to a dysfunctional organization like the Browns, and then you also cross the line, it just it leads to more drama than you can deal with or want to deal with as a franchise quarterback. So Burrow, I think he's a pro right away. I think, like I said, being a coach's son helps a ton, and I think he is built to withstand a, a rookie season where he's going to have to learn without OTAs, without minicamp, all that stuff, and, and carry a franchise that hasn't won a playoff game in my lifetime and uh, has had four straight losing seasons. Talking with James Rapine back on the Bengals beat with Sports Illustrated. Happy to have him back on our program as well. James is joining us courtesy of New Era Caps and Gear. Go get your Bengals draft gear. You probably got to do some rush shipping or go to a local sporting goods store if you're able to go get 
some of the gear, but uh, go get some of the great draft gear that New Era has put out, especially for the Cincinnati Bengals. James, before we get to your mock draft and some other things, I want to talk about some players that you are particularly enamored with in this year's class. Um, you know, there, there. It depends on the fit. It depends on you know position. I, I mean, there's debates on what's the biggest need at the moment right now. Maybe if you want to take into the, uh, that into account, fine. But what are some of your favorite players in this year's draft that you maybe either hope the land in the Bengals' lap, or you know they pounce if they're if they just happen to be in that realm where they're predicted to be when the Bengals are on the clock? One of my favorite players, and it it, ju- it recently happened. Obviously, I've been uh, crunching as much draft content as as possible, and and, and really sub- you know putting myself and throwing myself into. Uh, draft information. But the more and more I read and watch and pay attention to, and I, and I watched him during the year, but Justin Jefferson, and I know he's not going to be there at 33, but the idea of having him with Burrow, it gets me excited. And I get it, the fit, you, you know, everyone talks about fit and oh, he, he compares to Tyler Boyd, Greg Jennings. I would love for him to fall to 33 because I, I just, I think he'd fit right in and Zach Taylor would be, fi- would find a way to use him and Boyd and green and Ross, you know, they would all complement each other and all work well together. So that's the guy. I don't think he has a chance in hell of being there, but if he was there, I, I would love uh, for him to end up in stripes just because I, again, I, I think the, the culture matters, the leadership matters with Burrow. And if you can bring in a guy that he's familiar with like that, I, I think it really raises um, his ceiling uh, as a player here in the first couple of years of his NFL career because of the familiarity. So I, it, just looking at that round two, if there's a guy that I, I know isn't going to be there that I hope is, I think Justin Jefferson would be uh, at the top of the list. I know a lot of Bengals fans would say Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. I actually like some of the the linebackers that could be had uh, potentially uh, at, at pick 65. I think that's a, a kind of a sweet spot for the linebacker position uh, where you can still get a, a pretty capable athletic backs, backer. So uh, yeah, that would be one guy, uh, and I could name more, but that that's one guy, Justin Jefferson. That if he if he fell to thirty three, I, I think the Bengals would be excited, and so would I. There's no there's no doubt about that. I think yeah, if Jefferson's there, he's definitely on their short list. And like you said, you've been crunching a lot of draft work just in the, the past couple of weeks that you started recovering the Bengals. You even got a chance to to speak with Duke Tobin. And I think even Zach Taylor in some of their pre draft news conferences. What do, what are you gauging in terms of what potentially could be their their there are areas of, of targets in terms of round two, maybe even round three, in the sense that it's a certain um, certain kinds of positions, maybe like receiver or linebacker. Do you think they're really going to pounce on a, a guy who happens to drop out of the first round? What, 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 are you, what are you kind of gauging from the things that you've heard from Tobin and Taylor? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think they're really, like us, they're really open to, to multiple positions because they have needs. And, and I think that's if there is any positive to to picking at the the start of every round and having multiple needs, it's that you can fill them with really good players. So uh, w- whether it's a Justin Jefferson that falls or a, a Murray, right? They would be excited with either one. If it's an offensive tackle that happens to fall to thirty three, uh, to, to me, I, I think it it really just depends on where the value is. They're going to take the best player available, and, and and I really think if I had to guess. In, in like what round they were going to do something positionally. I would say round two would be offensive tackle or wide receiver. I'd say round three would be linebacker or wide receiver if they happen to go tackle in round two. 
And then that fourth round is uh, is whatever's left over, whether it's linebacker or receiver. That being said, the Bengals could also go corner. I would not be shocked in the first, you know, rounds two through four if they went with a corner. If a corner falls, that wouldn't be shocking at all. So I think to default, it's best player available. At the same time, I think that in their minds, the best player available could also fill their their big three needs. I think that's how a lot of people look at it as linebacker, wide receiver, and, and offensive line, specifically tackle. So I think they can do both at the same time if if the board falls the way they think it's going to fall. Talking with James Rapine of Sports Illustrated, joining us on the program, back on the Bengals beat. Stoked to have him back on this program as well. One of our favorite guests. And thanks for making the time. Uh, hopefully you got a few more minutes in you because we've got more to ask you. Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> James is joining us, courtesy of New Era Caps. Uh, James, before we queue up your mock, and we, we will show what you put out on, on Sports Illustrated in the All Bengals site in just a minute here. We'll, we'll pull up your and we'll talk about those. Rewinding a little bit and and using kind of the, the questions we've asked you already as, as a little bit of a backdrop, are you a little surprised at what the Bengals did in free? I, I would assume you are being around this team as long as you have. Yeah. Are you surprised at what occurred in free agency and how does that, how do those moves play into, you know, limiting the amount of needs they have going into the draft um, really, it seems like, like you just said, linebacker, offensive line seem to be really kind of the the biggest needs. Wide receivers got to be in there too, but they address a lot of stuff in free agency, spent a hell of a lot of money. And uh, that I think surprised a lot of people. It did. No, no doubt about it. It, it surprised a, a ton of people, including me. I remember when <laughs> DJ Reader got signed or, or the, the agreement was announced uh, or reported. And uh, I told my cousin, I was with my cousin, I told my cousin, he was like, are you serious? Because it was just so shocking. And it's just, you know, one signing. And then they go on and they sign Trey Waynes a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes later. And then a couple of weeks later, after they've made multiple signings, including Mackenzie Alexander, I think it was a great value. Yeah. They get Von Bell. And it's like, my Lord, like it, it's just, it's what they needed. And I think for years and years and years, uh, so many of us have been preaching, be aggressive in free agency and, and how important it is to add quality players. And the thing I like most about their haul, it wasn't that they they were aggressive. It's that they were adding guys, DJ Reader, entering his prime, mm-hmm. right? They're guys coming off of their, their rookie contracts, Trey Waynes entering his prime, hopefully. Von Bell ascending as a player. Uh, so I, I think that a, a lot of the, the guys they brought in are going to be significant contributors. Obviously, five projected starters on defense and then um, Xavier Suofilo, he, he's projected to start at guard, and no matter which how you feel about him, heck, they went out and signed a starting guard that that wasn't someone they had drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent or something like that, and 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 so that's a change. And I, I think the key here, and the key for, for the Bengals as they're going to walk into Joe Burrow and, and hopefully for them have a successful draft, they need to continue that because they can speed up this rebuild it, it, much quicker if they're aggressive in free agency. And I look at the the 2020 Bengals much like the 2004 Bengals. If they can put it together, they were aggressive enough. If they have a really good draft, they can put themselves in position to have a really go-for-it type of 2021 season, right? So this is a set-the-table year where you establish a culture and you win six to eight games and you feel really good about what you're building and you show the league that uh, that's your for real. And I, I kind of think that that's what the Bengals need to do this year. That should be their goal 
And if they do that, it could really set the table uh, for what they can do in the future. And again, it's because they were aggressive in free agency. It's because they got players that they can build around on multi-year contracts that are just now entering their prime. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, they took care of a lot of needs, and I think part of the reason they did that is because they only currently have seven picks in the NFL draft. Uh, normally, they they like to hoard those um, compensatory picks and uh, you know go from there. I'm going to start queuing up your your mock here, uh, James. Uh, you did all of the Bengals picks um all seven that they currently own mm-hmm. and then you did you did do all of the first round uh the entire first round as well so obviously i mean we, I, we probably don't need to spend too much time on this and i'll let i'll let john talk about the next uh, pick or so coming up but i mean you talked about burrow no brainer um i mean there's there's still some people believe it or not in our live chats and others that are still talking about tua and whatnot can you can you just can you just say can you just let them know Burrow's the guy, hands down. Yeah, yeah. Burrow is the guy. And it's look, and it's because of injuries. Like Tua is a, if you took out the injuries and completely forgot about him, he's a great prospect. And I get why people want to talk about that. Unfortunately, when you're talking about a, a franchise quarterback, number one overall, you can't forget about injuries, <laughs> especially when there's a, a prospect in Burrow whose biggest flaw is he has an average arm okay, I'll take it. You know how many average arm quarterbacks are in the Hall of Fame? A lot of them, including Peyton, including a guy who just signed in Tampa. So I, I think uh, I think Burrow is a no-brainer. Um, if injuries, you know, if things were different in an alternate universe, maybe we'd still be having the conversation. Is it Tua? Is it Burrow? But uh, Tua, when he, he injured that hip, he made the, the decision easy for the Bengals, and, uh, and they'll get their guy in Joe Burrow. He really upset a uh, frequent listener of the show, Alex Head, who's been banging the table for Tua for, I think, the better part of four months. But let's oh go ahead and move God. on to round two. Oh, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's it was going to say at the end. But here, round two, we have a guy that a lot of people are saying is going to go in the first round, but he's not exactly a lock. It's a, it's a deep class at his position. Isaiah Wilson, the tackle out of Georgia, mammoth guy. I think Dave Lappin was just talking about him on the radio earlier. What are the things you like about him, the fact that, He's 350 pounds, or he actually moves well that size. But I, both, right? I, I think you're talking about a guy that, from a, a physical trait standpoint, has it all. Former basketball player. So he's got the, the foot speed you look for. He's huge, like you said, 6'6", 6'7", 350. And, and he played in the SEC. And the Bengals love the, the SEC. You see him up go up against elite competition. He isn't a flawless prospect. By any means, but this is the same same club that picked Cedric Abwehi in the first round. I think Isaiah Wilson is a projects to be a, a much more successful player than Abwehi. It's not just you know the the traits. It's he went out there, he played at a high level, uh, and he was a part of a, a really good Georgia offensive line. So he, he needs to work on some things. I, I think uh, Jim Turner will have to work with him on technique and things like that. 
but you get a guy at 33. And part of this is about depth. It's not like there's a, another high end, at least in my mind, right tackle who could potentially start as a rookie and, and develop into a potential pro bowler at 65. I, I just, I don't see that. And I think with the run that is going to happen on tackles that, that Wilson will end up there and he'll be on the board. And if he's there, that the Bengals should jump on him because again, I think he could start year one potentially and, and certainly has plenty of upside, even if he does lose out to, to Fred Johnson early on. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how mm-hmm. married the Bengals are to Bobby Hart, just going up a little bit to show where you kind of came up with that. You see Josh Jones, you had him going at 27 to the Seahawks, Jalen Rager, the wide receiver out of TCU going to the Ravens at 28, Austin Jackson mm-hmm. to the Titans. Uh, at 29, you got Higgins, a potential wide receiver target for the Bengals at, at number 30 going ahead. Uh, Edwards Hilaire, probably not on the Bengals' radar with, with Mixon and uh, Bernard on the roster. But you have your boy, Justin Jefferson. By the way, we didn't really yeah. mention it. We didn't really mention it. Uh, we John and I both seem to like him quite a bit, and maybe more so than others that uh, talk about the Bengals. But we we do like him, so that's kind of where you where you came to that decision in in getting Isaiah Wilson at thirty three. And Isaiah Wilson is a guy, you know, initially was maybe a looked at early in the process, um, you know, third round guy that sort of thing. Yeah. And now he has ascended. You know, like you said, they, the more tape has been watched, and more background checks have been done, and now he has first round chatter. So. Let's go now. This is where I found it to also be pretty interesting. One of the more interesting uh, areas that you that you have in your mock draft, where you you have the Bengals addressing linebacker probably somewhat predictably on day two, but you wait until uh, the fourth round to get the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about Davis Gaither. The Bengals obviously had a meeting with him. Talented kid, athletic kid. He's small, but he can move around pretty well and has good instincts, as you noted in your breakdown. The one thing that scares me a little bit, he's got – I think he's dealing with a foot injury, um, and that's probably dropped him a little bit. He's recovering from that. Um, Mm -hmm. The Bengals drafting injured players always gives me a little – caused me to flinch a little bit. But good player and seems to be, obviously, linebacker seems to be their biggest positional need. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, he's, he's a high end athlete. I, I get it. He's not 240 that you'd like, you know, it, Willie Gay's 240. And, and that's a, that's a difference that makes a difference when you, you run like these guys can, but, but I, I think he's going to be able to help them in a, in a multiple t- multitude of ways. I think he's a pretty good pass rusher. I think he flies all over the field and, and he's an athlete. And, and I, I get that he's not as big as, as some of these uh, other linebackers in this draft but I think the Bengals are extremely interested in a high character guy. I think that matters more in this draft than previous drafts because you don't have pro days. You haven't been able to, it's different. You guys talking with me on uh, virtually is much different than meeting someone and shaking someone's hand and and spending six, seven, eight hours with them on a college campus or having them in for, for one of the 30 visits at your facility. So I think when you go with character guys, let's say a, a Willie Gay Jr. is there. Well, he punched his quarterback in the face, right? Right before a bowl <laughs> game. So I would rather go with Akeem Davis Gaither. That's just the, the reality of it. He might not be as good of a, a prospect in some people's eyes. I think he is. And, and so that, that's who I'm rolling with. And, and I think when you look at linebacker versus wide receiver, uh, at least the way I'm I'm thinking it's going to go, the, the value is taking linebacker in, in round three unless they traded down from 33. So I think that that's why I ended up with Davis Gaither there at, uh, at 65. 
I agree with that logic. And like you said in the post, uh, Bengals coach him at the Senior Bowl. He was on the South roster. But teammate of his at the Senior Bowl is their next big, Devin Duvernay, the wide receiver at Texas. He's kind of almost a forgotten man in this extremely deep class. And there's definitely a scenario where he ends up there in early day three. What are your thoughts on him when you watch him? Because he, he was a track star in high school. But he's kind of like he's kind of built like a running back, and he doesn't exactly look like a burner out there. Even though he ran like a four four flat at the at the combine, do you see him more as a field stretcher to start, or do you see him being used kind of like how he was at Texas, where he was mainly in the slot? He got a lot of scheme yards and just growing into more of a vertical threat as as, as his career progresses. I, I think you're you're exactly right with the description in the back half there. I think he's going to be a guy, you get him involved in some gadget plays, some screens, some quick slants, things like that, uh, and try to build his confidence and, and allow him to uh, work on his route running and things like that. In an ideal world, he won't play much, right? Because you have John Ross stretching the field, A.J. Green on one side, Tyler Boyd in the slot, and then Duvernay can come in and kind of be a supplement this year for the, the rest of that, that wide receiver room. But he's a guy that has the traits you mentioned, he can fly. And, and if he can get uh, the route running down a little bit more and become the, uh, develop into that vertical threat, uh, it, which I, I think is certainly plausible, I don't think that's outlandish to, to expect, uh, th then I think that he's a, a guy the Bengals would be interested in. And, and I will say this, uh, Zach Taylor, uh, we were talking to him yesterday and he, he said they were looking for, and again, it's coach speak, who knows if he was just feeding us what, you know, what he was feeding us. But as far as the wide receiver position goes, good hands, and high football IQ, and I look like look at a guy like uh, Duvernay, who they had one-on-one -on -one time with, obviously, at the Senior Bowl, um, and he obviously has good hands when you watch him. He's able to track the ball downfield and can make big plays. I, I think he just he makes sense in the fourth round. He's not going to save your wide receiver room if A.J. Green and John Ross leave next year, right? You're still going to have to address that position, but, but he's a guy that can certainly be a, a depth piece this season and someone you can build with moving forward. Talking with James Rapine of Sports Illustrated in the All Bengals blog. Happy to have him with us. He joins us courtesy of New Era. Let's kind of, uh, for the sake of time, let's kind of group some of these guys at the end of your, your mock here, these last three picks, somewhat together, James. Um, I think the one, obviously, that uh, opens some eyes, Troy Dye. A lot of conflicting opinions on on this player. Um, you know, some people think he could be, you know, a third roundish type of player. Uh, given his athleticism and his ability, he played kind of a lot of different roles on the Oregon defense. Um, some people think that there's still a lot of refinement that's needed there. You have him as their 147th pick, their fifth round pick, um, mm -hmm. and you as as a double dip there for the linebacker, basically going at that position twice in, in a matter of two uh, in a matter of three rounds, rather. Yeah, I think Dye's a guy that uh, is certainly more of a, a project, you know, where, where you're going to have to, you like his physical ability, but he's going to be a special teamer as a rookie. And, and he'll probably have to add some strength, much like Davis Gaither, but D Davis Gaither's just a, a better player, you know, yeah, and he, yeah. he makes more plays and the way he flies around. But from a size standpoint, uh, dies a little a little heavier than Davis Gaither, but he's, he's just not as good of a player at this stage or as good of a prospect. So I think that when you add two, uh, high-end athletes, you know, from a, a from a, a speed standpoint, uh, and you're the Bengals at that linebacker position, you feel good about it. And like you said, Die is going to be higher on some boards. I just think there's going to be some a linebacker or two that fall, and uh, I think Die could be uh, on the back half here. And if he's not at 147, I, I think the Bengals are extremely tempted 
And we talked about best player available. I think he could certainly be the best pay, player available at that point in the draft. And then let's go to the last two here. Uh, Legereus Sneed and Azur Kamara. Obviously, at 215, Azur Kamara is an interesting player and won the Bengals. Uh, you know, they met, they met, you know, this in your draft. They met with him again after the senior bowl. But those two guys, you know, Bengals are pretty stacked at corner, but I guess you always need some help there, especially with how the injuries hit that group last year. Yeah, I, th I think they're going to try to get a corner in this draft because you got Mackenzie Alexander on a one-year deal. William Jackson III is in a contract year. So corner is a, a sneaky need, uh, but but I, I don't think they're going to invest a, an early pick unless someone just falls and it's a clear-cut best player available You know, on, on day two or early day three. So, yeah, I, I go with Snead there in the sixth round. And then Kamara is interesting, man, uh, off the edge because that edge is another spot – this team has so many needs and, and that's just the reality. They're trying to build up their depth again, but Carl Lawson, a free agent to be, uh, you, you got Carlos Dunlap who's getting older, you know, he's 31 years old now. And, and so you, you want to build up that edge a little bit. Uh, and I think Kamar is a, a project for sure, but they've expressed interest in him. He's got the physical size and athleticism to, to get you excited. So yeah, I think if he's there in round seven, the interest that they've expressed uh, I, heck, I could see them picking him in round six, to be honest. But if he's there in round seven, I could certainly see them uh, picking Kamara. Well, some interesting names. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was James Rapine's final mock draft. You can find that on all Bengals, uh, part of the Sports Illustrated network there. John, any any other questions before we tie How would you guys away? grade it? Hold on. How would you guys grade that? A, B, C, D, or F? Is it an F? I'll, I'll give you an F, F minus. Yeah. Well, there we go. Good. Sounds all right. No, yeah. No, Sounds I, like high school. I think that's a solid B <laughs> or a B B plus. Um, I I'm on the I'm on the I'm a little bit more on the get Burrow weapons and and you know they went so heavy on defense and free agency. Sure. I, I I'm inclined to think that wide receiver, maybe even tight at pass catching tight end, offensive line may be heavily focused. The problem is, you know, you you still want two linebackers. You want probably two offensive linemen. You want a wide receiver, and you still want to get a defensive, you know, an edge rusher, cornerback, uh, just some additional help on that side of the ball. And you've only got seven picks, so they get they may need to get creative. But I, I'm I'm a little inclined to think they may go offensive heavy. But I do, you know, I'm intrigued by Duvernay. Is he a is he a guy that is a, a track star that just happens to play football, or does he have football skills that you can mine out of him? To, to marry with, you know, the the speed and, and all of that. So I, that's a guy that's very intriguing to me. Yeah, I, I will say, and obviously I, I started off with my love for Justin Jefferson. I'm with you. Like if they could somehow, like if there's a receiver, let's say T Higgins and, and people are talking about him falling and to, to round three, like if T Higgins somehow falls yeah. to 65, I'm so in, right? I just, or, or if you trade down from 33, I just don't want to pull the trigger on him there. Um, Denzel Mims or Justin Jefferson, I'm all, all about it in round two. But uh, at some point, they need to tackle as well. But I, I'm with you. If they if they get weapons, I will not uh, I will not argue that. People know I love wide receivers. Well, Anthony is in the business of building around Burrow. I'm in the business of trashing all mock drafts in general and general principle. <laughs> I got well, I, I got one more question though, James. Is it true that you just came back Cincinnati just to promote the the John Ross extension? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah. It, the crazy part is everyone, everyone assumes John's gone, right? Everyone's doing that. What happens if he goes for 1200 yards this year, AJ Green 
either struggles or, or deals with injuries again. And I'm not hoping that. I'm just saying, what if that happens? Well, then John Ross is getting extended and A.J. Green isn't. So everyone that's just assuming John's out, we'll, uh, we'll see this season. You can never count John's out. You can never do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, man, go go watch him in college. People forget. Like, he was ridiculous. I, 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 was didn't, ridiculous. I didn't forget. He's so he's good. A, he's thing. a stud. Yeah. I Like, he would be – he would, in this draft, would be up there with these top receivers. I, he would go in the top 15, I think. Yeah. And the, the only reason he wouldn't would be because of injuries, yeah. which is obviously, I, I think, the biggest reason why he hasn't had the success everyone – or at least I thought he could, could have potentially in the NFL. He had some of them in college, and then they've kind of just really gone to another level in the pros, unfortunately. But a guy that, you know, I, I, Zach Taylor, and this is a whole other conversation we can have, but John Ross, you got to find ways and creative ways to get him the football. Whether And, and you have to – he kind of seems to be a rhythm guy. When, he, when he's not getting the ball early and often, mm-hmm. the concentration lapses happen, the drops happen, that sort of thing. Um, you know, maybe you have – with a, with Burrow a, a little bit more of an accurate thrower than Dalton, especially on some of these, you know, flea flickers and other kinds of plays that you get the ball to him. Maybe then there's, there's, uh, you know, a bump in statistics for John Ross this year, which is, I think the hope. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the other thing, and, and I, I think a lot of people feel that way and I'm with you there. The other thing is we talk about Burrow's leadership and his confidence. I think that can rub off on a guy like Ross. I, I think there's going to be times where Burrow's like, Dude, that guy cannot guard you. So bust his ass and, and run past him and do what you do. And, and Andy's just not like that, right? And, and there, you remember Joe Mixon last year d- during the Seattle game? I think, I think nineteen. I think Jeremy Rao was the one who had the the, the video. But after the the first touchdown, because he had the drop and then he had the touchdown, um, Mixon went over and hit Ross on the shoulder pads and was agging him on and saying, "That's that's you. Do that every play. You know, like that's how you play." And trying to get him going. And, and I think that that's something. Burrow almost naturally does, and he's going to make everybody around him better. Well, James, this has been a pleasure, my friend. Uh, thanks for, I mean, again, all these guests that have joined us, these special guests, these high-profile guests like yourself, we ask for yeah. 10 or 15 minutes, and, of course, we get 30, 35 out of you. So, I mean, it's, like, incredible that you would give us that much time. I know it's such a busy time of year for you. You are absolutely killing it on the All Bengals blog for Sports Illustrated. For those, for our listeners, if you're not watching and keeping your eyes on CincyJungle.com, you got to be keeping your eyes on the All Bengals blog. You may also have a an announcement for us, James. Dot dot dot. I don't know. Uh, uh, no, not now. No, okay. not now. But okay. yeah, we, there, okay. we're certainly uh, certainly in the works. Plenty of uh, plenty of content on the way post draft. The uh, AllBengals.com is just uh, just the start of what's uh, what's coming from a Bengals coverage standpoint. And at James Rapine on Twitter, uh, one of our show's good friends. Just another high-profile guest in our pre-draft coverage. James, thanks for the time, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry we took so much of it, but our listeners are, are stoked to have you. We're stoked to have you. So thanks for the time. I don't know how your listeners feel after you're having them uh, having you lie to them, saying I'm a high-profile guest. You are, but, dude. Uh, you are. But, no, I, I appreciate you guys for having me, and uh, I'll come on anytime. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll hit you up for that for sure. Stay Sounds safe, good. dude. All right. See you guys. Thanks. See ya. That was James Rapine of Sports Illustrated in the All Bengals blog. That was awesome. That was awesome, John. Uh, he brought he was brought to us by New Air Caps. Good stuff from him, as always. Yeah, James pretty used to this kind of stuff. So I expect nothing less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to our mock draft in just a second. Uh, we, we didn't plan on going that long, but it was like such an awesome conversation. It's like, why, why stop? 
Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring in we're gonna we're gonna go kind of all over the place uh, with with this mock draft. We've got thank thankfully for my co-host, he has done a lot of legwork. He's gonna share a lot of his research and documentation, all kinds of stuff as we get to our own mock draft. Maybe maybe it's a seven pick draft, maybe more, depending. We're gonna run a simulator and do that. We're gonna get to that in just a second. Before we do, you can always get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on Megaphone. You can get it on iHeartRadio, YouTube, CincyJungle.com, really anywhere you go find your audio podcast, we are available. You can also get great shows like Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk. You can get Orange is the New Black, the podcast by Ace Boogie and Zim Hude. We had the pleasure of doing a roundtable episode with them earlier this week, so go check out that. There was like five of us chatting. It was pretty awesome. And of course, sorry if I spit when I speak, those those guys, Hoji Smoji and Daddy O McDuke are still giving us some great content as well. So a full slate. Guys, I don't know if the listeners know, John, there has been 17, including this show, 17 pre-draft episodes that we have given in a matter of a week from the Icky Woods interview last Wednesday all the way to this episode with James Rapine and our final mock draft. 17 episodes between our show, Matt Minnick, Orange is the New Black, all kinds of good stuff. We've been hammering folks, and hopefully they've enjoyed it. No wonder I'm so exhausted. We've really done 17 of these. Yeah, I know. I, I, know. People, I know. People really love this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get to our, our, uh, our final mock draft in just a second. Before we do, John, we actually have a sponsor for our mock draft, uh, believe it or not. And it's going to be one that you may go, hmm, that's interesting. It's a retail shop called Daisy Shop. And it's S-H-O-P-P-E is how you spell it. Daisy Shop is normally a, it's a small chain, a woman's boutique chain that has a lot of different clothing items, housewares, all kinds of stuff. Obviously, with the COVID crisis, they have had to alter their business model and have formed an online store with all kinds of stuff that, yeah, it's mostly for the ladies. So if you got a special lady in your life that you want to get something special for, whether it's loungewear, whether it's puzzles to hang out while you're at home, finding, trying to find something to do, tumblers for your drinks during your, your happy hour that may be occurring a little more frequently than usual, or if you, if you are in need of a face mask, a mask to cover your face, they are doing a nonprofit endeavor. Go to Daisy Shop, S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. And if you type in the magic code, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. Burrow. Burrow. I hope you can see it. Burrow. 10% off your order. If you type in Burrow, they're Bengals fans too. So they wanted to support us. Go to daisyshop.com. Special ladies in your life, Mother's Day is coming up. If you're bored at home, all that stuff. 10% off your order. Burrow is the code. Go check it out. And we thank them for supporting our program. Let's get to it, John. You have done a massive amount of research. I'm going to put you in the driver's seat for this thing, my friend. Uh, you're going to share with us not only your big board, we're going to talk a little bit about the free agents briefly again, affecting the draft. And then we are going to do a simulator, probably through FanSpeak. Is that correct? What we're going to? Yes. Okay, so we will yeah. do it through that. And uh, we may execute a trade or two and go from there. So, John, take it away, my friend. Yeah, so um, full disclosure here, this is 210 players listed here, and I did not watch every single one of these guys. Um, use your resources. <laughs> use, use, use guys like Dane Brugler. Use guys like PFF and 
try to get some analytics in there. You, it's it's like it's like America. It's like what America is supposed to be. It's a melting pot of information that's supposed to give you the best projections. And I don't like doing strictly round grades. I like doing a little bit something more broader than that. So the colors that you see on screen here, if you are watching on screen, dark blue represents one uh, A high first round. Light blue represents uh, late first round one B. Green represents day two. So a guy that you would typically grade in rounds two or three. Yellow represents rounds four or five, early day three. And orange represents late day three, rounds six and seven. Uh, when I counted all this, I had just 17 guys graded in the first round. I had 56 graded on day two, 89 graded on early day three, and only 48 graded on late day, late day three. So uh, I think a pretty common distribution of, of grades there. That's it's just kind of how it is, right? It's like, that's why people love training back because there's only so many, you know, legitimate first round talents that you're sitting there in late, in the late first round. You're thinking the guys that I'm going to pick at 20 are not really that much different than 40. And I think that represents a great argument for what the Bengals do at 33. So what do the Bengals do at 33? Like, you know, what, is, what do they do in free agency? What are the, what does the roster look like right now? Roster roughly looks like this. And this is just everybody who's under contract on screen. Uh, different color codings here, basically looking at contract status, looking at how good is the player. You got you have players who you're pretty confident are going to be here in 2021. Sam Hubbard, you know, Atkins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, to name a few. Light blue represents, you know, guys who you're confident in making the roster this year. Guys like you know, A.J. Green, for example, uh, Bobby Hart, Xavier Sofilo. Von Bell, you know, guys who the contract and the talent fits. Green is like a is like a bubble player, I guess. So maybe he makes the roster, maybe he doesn't, depending on what his contract status is. Examples of that are like Ryan Glasgow, uh, Billy Price, Rodney Anderson, and then camp bodies and and basically uh, guys who are still technically free agents, uh, but they're not going to be back. Andy Dalton, I have listed as gone. I just don't see him just sticking around here based off that contract. But that's another topic that we can talk about. Uh, going through what they did in free agency, they spent over $158 million in total money, $37 million in signing bonuses, $63 million in to total cap hits. Their cap space right now is about seven and a half. And they, they filled a lot of their needs. They went defensive heavy, as we all know. They just signed Mike Thomas and Zero Sufilo at offense. So that's kind of where we are right now in terms of what the Bengals are. And I think this board represents what the Bengals should follow in terms of just how they should grade these guys and specifically. Looking at the positions that they are likely to target and the positions that are big of their needs, it's, I mean, represented through these grades, this is a pretty good tackle class at the top. It's a pretty good wide receiver class at the top. You have at least 10 guys of receiver who you would feel confident in taking in the first 50 or 60 picks. Um, it may be slightly less for, for that tackle, but that's just, you know, it's all subjective. It's, it's based on a couple different things. And on defense, I think you have great value on day two at linebacker. You don't really have any true first round guys. I think when you put all the data in the, in the film and the production all, in, all into the formula that calculates whatever subjective grades you want to put at, I have Isaiah Simmons listed as a safety. I think he's just not the traditional linebacker that you can just pigeonhole at linebacker and label him at that, that position. I think he's just more of just a bigger Tyron Matthew and Tyron Matthew's not a linebacker. He's a safety technically, but you can play him all over the field. Anyways, uh, like at, at linebacker, I have Jordan Brooks as the best guy. I think the tape, the athleticism, and the production is just the best. It's just the best combination of all three compared to other guys like Akeem Davis Gaither, who James talked about. And he's right below Brooks for me. Patrick Queen, Willie Gay Jr., Malik Harrison, Logan Wilson, all round out that same tier. If you guys want to argue with me about who should be above who in terms of in, in these same tiers, 
I'm not going to die on any, on any hill. I think it's all yeah. pretty close. That's why they're all grouped together in these same tiers. So if you, if you have a different opinion, that's completely fine. I just feel confident in terms of where these guys are in the tiers that they are. If you want to have different rankings within those tiers, that's fine by me. So you, uh, interestingly, before we get kind of get to the mock draft and everything, first of all, this is fantastic work, uh, John. Um, I am really pleased that you're sharing this with all of us. And hopefully, um, I mean, you're explaining it very well also, but hopefully those who are watching the podcast, whether it's live or after the fact on YouTube, hopefully you are kind of paying attention to, to the screen share we're doing here. Yeah, interestingly, just kind of before we move on, you have Kenneth Murray, one of the more coveted, seemingly one of the more coveted linebackers in this year's draft. You kind of have him in the four five range in terms of ra- round. Uh, is, is that? It has nothing to do with production or athleticism because he has both of those in spades. I think he's right. the one guy. I think that according to like Bob McGinn and some other insiders, he's the one guy that in this class, nobody has anything bad to say about him. Like he's just a great guy, a great leader, a great person. He's going to, you know, acclimate into any locker room he comes into. He's, he's a natural leader. He has everything that coaches like and everything about his profile is great. When you watch him on the field, he's blind. He's legitimately, he doesn't know where to go. And I, I don't, I don't think we recognize that issue when he was kind of lighting, you know, games up, you know, late in the season making all these crazy tackles and looking really explosive and everything. If you put him on the field on an NFL field right now, he's going to look like Malik Jefferson. And I think Malik Jefferson at the time was a good third round pick because he had a lot of the same things. He had great speed, right. great explosion, great production. Not the, the big 12 thing I think is more of a coincidence. I'm not putting it all on, on every big 12 defenders because I think they do produce good talent defense just with Kenneth Murray and how he plays. It, it's just a lot of bad plays and run defense. He wasn't used a lot in coverage. So it's a question of a, a big projection, what he, what his role would be in there. You want a guy that you would draft where you know the Bengals would want to draft him at 33. If he's there at 33, I think he's probably going to be the pick. He's not going to be there. I think he's a lock for the first round. And the team that takes him is going to find out that he's just not ready to, con- to contribute immediately. And and the, that's the question, though. If a linebacker at 21 years old as a first-round pick isn't capable of staying in run fits and being an, an adept coverage player, what is the value of that? Like, is he just a QB? Is he just a QB spy out there? Like, you don't play Lamar Jackson 16 times times a year. Like, the the value of Kenneth Murray, I think, fits more. In, in the middle of the draft, I think you covered his athleticism, you covered his production, and you covered a limited role for him. But asking him to do anything more than that is just asking for trouble. And I just don't think the value is there in the first couple of rounds. Yep. And that's that's kind of been a recent, a, a little bit of a more recent uh, revelation by by folks. As uh, you know, Murray was kind of this first round, oh, he's never going to make it out of the first round. And now all of a sudden you kind of you kind of wonder if he's one of those players that just because he's so athletically gifted, he was able at the college level to mask some of the instinctive issues that you're talking about, right? The, the, the football right. IQ type of issues. And just because he was faster and more athletic than basically everyone on the field, he was able to still be productive. Whereas at the NFL level, whenever everyone is basically as athletic as he is, it's more of an issue of now, now you got to, the head's got to be there with, with the rest of the athleticism. And, and I think some people are starting to, to realize that, but great stuff with the big board here, John, let's, before we get to, um, if you want to queue up the simulator, you can do that. But um, mm-hmm. we, before we get that, get to that, let's also talk about a little bit of these things that we think we know in light of 
what you talked about in free agency, what you brought up with your big board, et cetera. What we think we know, the Bengals will pro- want an edge rusher. And there's talk that it could yeah. be as early as, no- as number 33, and it could be someone like Zach Bond. They, they, we've said this on this show a couple of times. Last year, they flirted with Shaq Barrett. This year, Derek Wolf was in for a visit. They had Chris Smith in for a visit. Um, you know, they have looked at edge rushers and have not struck yet. Uh, so they want an edge rusher probably by day three, but excuse me, by the, the end of day two. I think also, John, we could say wide receiver will probably be addressed, I would think, by round four if not earlier. Um, I I just, I think that that's got to be in there. And then, you know, offensive linemen, you got to, you got to think about offensive linemen. And and I love, I like the Isaiah Wilson pick that James Rapine had on his mock. I I think that would just be a, a, an outstanding AFC North, you know, Mahler type of guy that uh, would bring a lot. The Bengals keep telling us that they like their offensive line more than everybody else does. So mixed signals. I don't know. They've been willing to get out of some bad contracts. I don't know if that includes Bobby Hart. If they draft a guy early, we'll see. Um, what other what other observations or things that you think we know at this point going into, aside from Burrow kind of being <laughs> the guy at number one, um, what other observations or things do you, do you think you know at this point with the Bengals? It's a lot more guesswork because we didn't have that Dave Lapham uh, podcast with with uh, Dan Horabry basically predicts the pick because everybody knows the first pick and he doesn't really know what's going to happen, you know, by pick 33. So he was actually on with Mo Egger today on ESPN 1530 and Mo basically said, what are guys that you like at 33? And he basically talked like he just didn't know who's going to be there. He just doesn't exactly know the plan. Maybe he just doesn't know as much, but. What he did say was that he's been on the Kenneth Murray train for at least two weeks now, probably more. And that, I think, tells you a lot about what the Bengals think about him. He's probably, uh, if they consider Isaiah Simmons a uh, linebacker, he's probably their linebacker, too. And if he's there, I think he's probably the pick. But he's not going to be there. He's going to be like a top 25 pick. So what are the other options there? I think they still want to go linebacker early, even if Murray isn't there. You have Patrick Queen, who's a borderline first-round pick. If, if he's there, he's probably the pick. If he's not there... I think you legitimately have to consider Jordan Brooks and Logan Wilson as possibilities there. Brooks is now getting a lot of first round buzz. And, you know, that whole topic in itself is just the NFL. It's just the media catching up to what the NFL has known for weeks or months now. And Brooks is just a guy that just didn't like he ran a 40 he ran a four, five, four forty, but he didn't test anything else in the combine. He didn't participate in the senior bowl. He dealt with injury. He didn't think he had a lot of offseason buzz. And I think a lot of teams are just looking at, the fact that he was extremely productive and they like the the on-field athleticism and they're just going off of that limited stuff because they don't have all this extra information, especially for players like him who were injured and didn't have a pro day and weren't able to you know meet face-to-face. So Jordan Brooks, is if he's not a first-round pick, he's going to be a top 40 pick. And if, and if he's there and Queen and uh, Murray are not, I think he's probably going to be the pick. And that's what uh, Lapham alluded to. If he's not there, um, I'm sorry, I said Isaiah Wilson. I meant Logan Wilson. He's probably the, the backup plan if Brooks isn't there. And Wilson's getting, uh, again, this late surge from the, from the media as a, as a guy who's going to go a lot uh, sooner than a lot of draft analysts might think. So linebacker is definitely still in play. And then you look at the other positions, wide receiver, offensive tackle, addresser, like you mentioned, and cornerback. And not only are, are those needs that the Bengals do need to address, they're the most valuable positions that aren't, aren't quarterback. And that makes sense because the Bengals like to address positions that affect the passing game early in the draft. That, that doesn't surprise me at all. So 
they're, they're going to be looking at those positions and they're going to be looking at players at those positions who could potentially slide out of the draft. Obviously, they're going to be looking at you know, who's going to call for pick 33, especially you mentioned Jordan Love um, not being a lock for the first round. I think that's a definite possibility if he's there. They're going to hope that some team calls up and offers a, a, a ludicrous package to get love. If that doesn't happen, it's going to be a guy from one of those four positions. Probably they're going to look at linebacker first. They're going to look at a receiver and offensive tackle like Isaiah Wilson, who uh, Lapa mentioned as well, who potentially sided the first round. And then if all of those guys are there, they can look at cornerback. Maybe I think you mentioned uh, AJ Terrell, the guy from Clemson. If he doesn't get picked by the Raiders, which is where he's heavily projected to go at this point. He's in the conversation too. So you mentioned a lot of different guys, but not in a confident sense that he usually is. I don't think he's tipping off the pick this year because there still needs to be 31 other picks after Burrow goes. The other, the other thing, and we're going to cue this up here. Um, the other thing to note, the Bengals only have seven picks. They may try and execute trades like you mentioned, John, whether that's moving back from 33-65 or later, whether that's trying to move a player like Andy Dalton or others on the roster. They are probably going to look to accrue more picks. And if they can't for some reason, they may try and get they – may, they may value versatility from players out of as, – as one of the most important traits, whether it's a Zach Bond, if they feel that he could be – uh, you know, a guy that could that could rush off the edge and play outside linebacker. Initially, they were interested in Terrell Lewis, a guy we we mocked to them in one of our first mocks here. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that they they worked out in both capacities at the Senior Bowl. So we'll we'll see what happens. Let's cue this up. This is our final mock draft. I believe we can do trades in this, right, John? There. Yes. Okay, so this is through fan speak, both player trades and pick trades, or just pick trades. What what? can occur here. uh no player trades but we can simulate um the compensation for like an 80 dollar trade if we really wanted to okay so, up to you yeah uh so the thing about that is that um before every pick it, it'll just be you either you either get the pick or because no one offered a trade or somebody did offer you a trade and you have to decide if you accept it or, or deny we can we can also offer trades to other teams it's okay. just a matter of if they're going to accept it or deny it. so okay. obviously no trade here we're going we're going burrow and this board is on fan speaks. It's their complete composite board. So it takes, a, they have at least a dozen different uh, boards that you can use. And this is just a combination of all of them and basically averaging out all the player ratings to get a, a wider perspective about where everybody thinks these players are going to go. So Joe Burrow was pick number one. You're seeing here a Je Justin Jefferson in here uh, going very early. Gladney going early. Josh Jones off the board at 23. Uh, Austin Jackson off the board there. Um, so let's let's see who kind of went in the first the first few picks. T Higgins off the board at 24. Lavisca Chenault off the board. Denzel Mims off the board. Grant Delpit off the board. Austin Jackson, Trevon Diggs, and AJ Epinesa off the board at number 32 overall. So we're going to go into the next round here. The Bengals currently have Joe Burrow. Who do we have uh, available here? So, all right. Xavier McKinney somehow slipped out. Um, I don't think that's going to happen on draft day. I think his over-under right now is like at pick 24. I think he's probably the, the best safety in this class. I think realistically, you, you would have probably swapped out McKinney for Delpit, who's Potentially, I think coordinated one report is potentially going to slide in day two. So, um, I, th th this is kind of how it, well, how I like to do it is that I don't like to just pick McKinney here because I just 
want to go under the assumption that he's not going to be there. Okay. And I also I also think that like the a, a guy a couple of picks lower if uh, because Kenneth Murray went went off the board, I think they're going to look at Patrick Queen here and be all over him. But that's that's just kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think the pick comes down to those two names there, Zach Bond and Patrick Queen. Um, you know, James Rapine talked about character, whatever you want to think about the supposed urine sample from Bond, whether that's drug-related or just extra hydration or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, did come back with a diluted sample. Who knows what that means for his draft stock. Uh, I, I'm I'm a bit more inclined to go with Queen here. But like I said, the Bengals could be looking at you know, a potential versatility gene that Bond has uh, and, and to play both. Uh, what, what do we have a wide receiver here? We have Ayuk, who's also projected to go in the first. And then you got Michael Pittman, who's pretty much a surefire second-round pick. And then after that, it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of you know, mixed, it's a mixed bag, basically. You have Claypool at Notre Dame, Peoples-Jones, who's still projected to go, I think, in the third or fourth. Then James Rapine's guy, Devin Duvernay. Brian Edwards all the way down to 88. So th- those are all the guys that I think you would hope to be around uh, for round three. And may, a lot of the major offensive tackles are off the board, I think, at the at the time. Well, you do have Isaiah Wilson as well, which provides an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. As well as Ezra Cleveland, who's projected to go somewhere in the 20s. So they have options here. This is, I think, what they would prefer the, for some of these guys to fall because th- th- this could be an opportunity where they get a trade offer. Let's see if we get one. We do not. We do not get a trade offer. So we can offer... We can offer to move back. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you know if no one's, no one's calling in, then I think they're just going to stick to their board here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm inclined to either go with Queen or um, the tackle uh, Wilson. Wilson, one of those two. Um, I, I, I think maybe Queen, um, just because the, the linebacker need may be a little higher, but uh, I could be persuaded to go Wilson. What do you think? I, I don't want to trade back here. I think there's a lot of. I think there are right. offers here. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't get an offer because they're they're the the, the wow the value here for what player they could pick is too great to pass up, and that's coming from someone who always likes to trade back because I like having more opportunities to get guys who are basically marginal differences in terms of where they are on the board. But I think we've just heard all along if, if Queen is there, if one of the top linebackers is there, they're not going to pass that up. I think. That's one of the worst kept secrets from this offseason for the Bengals. I think Lapham's infatuation of Queen. If Murray wasn't there, that I think that speaks for itself. I think I think Queen's the answer here. Yep, let's do it. All right. So two LSU guys back to back. That that could be a theme for the Bengals this year. Uh, there, there are a lot of intriguing LSU prospects and and some at positions of need for the Bengals. So that could very well happen. Uh, this is our final mock draft. We're going towards pick 65 here. We've selected Joe Burrow and Patrick Queen so far at number 33. We have not moved back. We'll see what happens at 65. And uh, again, our final mock draft is brought to you by Daisy shop daisyshop.com go there use the code burrow and get 10% off your order or go get a face mask if you need one of those during this unfortunate covid crisis so thanks to them and what do we got next here john all right so let's just look at that players who just went off the board uh prince tega wanogo one of the offense tackles ben barch just went to the titans Louise Pittman. Pittman and Ruiz went in the 20s as well. Malik Harrison, another linebacker. Uh, you got a couple edge guys. Isaiah Wilson made it all the way 
the pick 52, but he did not last Ooh. as well. Pitts, Pittsburgh got Jordan Elliott. Uh, AJ Terrell also, I think, is going to be in the conversation at 33 if he does not go in the first. So, it, it, again, it just, it just comes down to, like, there's going to be multiple guys that they're going to like. It's just a matter of which one they prefer and at which position. So, there's still there's still decent guys left. I, I, like, Clyde edwards Hilaire, like, just today was said to be a first-round pick, like, somewhere in, like, the late 20s. So, if, if he's still here, I think teams are going to be all over that as well. Um, uh, uh, other best players available. Jordan Brooks is still here. Um, I think they would love it if he came, if he fell down here and they didn't address linebacker already in round two. Uh, you got Robert Hunt at guard. You have Cam Dantzler at cornerback. Lucas Niang, one of the better offensive linemen available. Logan Wilson, who's probably going to be gone by this and, and the real thing. So let's see if we get any trade offers. We do. So we can move back a couple spots with the Dolphins and get one of their fourth round compensatory picks, or we can have an in division trade Browns trade up from pick 10 in round three, and we get their third round compensatory pick. Well, it seems as if the Browns hall is probably better because you have a second, third round pick, right? Right. I I don't know what the formula is here. I I don't know if they add the stipulation of you don't want to trade with your in division rival. And that's why they're asking for they're they're at, they're willing to give up more. But, I mean, that seems like a pretty good deal to me. Yeah. Uh, Let's do it. We haven't done a trade before, so let's do it. All right. So we're moving back. We moved back from uh, uh, 65 to... uh, 74. 74. Okay. Uh, Who... who, So Brian Edwards just came off the board. Ah! That's awesome. Um, yeah, so receiver is not looking tremendously strong at this point. The value is just probably not there right here. Yeah. Let's see offensive tackle. Matt Pert, um, probably the one guy I think out of this who's likely to go in round three. Okay. And then uh, let's go. Let's try a rusher. We got Alex Highsmith. I think he's probably going to be better than where he's going to end up being drafted. I think he's a guy that I believe Cincinnati at least talked to somewhat in this process. Um, defensive line, James Lynch. They also had contact with him. He may be a little bit of a reach here, depending on who you ask. And then cornerback again, a mixed bag of guys who may or may not be worth it here. So the best players available seem to be players seem to be players that play positions that the Bengals are not going to be targeting this early. But they could also du- they could also double dip at linebacker here. They have both Jordan Brooks and Logan Wilson still available. I don't think that's I don't think that's out of the realm. I think that's also something that realm. Wow. That's also something that Lapham mentioned a, a couple of weeks ago. They're interested in getting as many linebackers as possible. And if the board happens to fall this way, I think that that would be something that they would be intrigued about. So you are inclined to go with Brooks? I, I, the, wider, I think, the wide receiver value just doesn't seem to be there. Uh, right, I mean, exactly. I, and that's that's where I'd like to see them go, but it just doesn't seem to be there. Again, you you have a since with this trade, you have a pick in just a handful of picks, right? Um, so I think if if we wait on a wide receiver here, then there'll be a better option towards the later part of this round. Whereas, like this may be the one time we go offensive line. Besides, like Matt Hennessy is a good option here if they want to go strictly interior. Robert Hunt, I Robert think Hunt's a good be, one. Yeah, Rob, I, honestly, Robert Hunt might be my my pick here now. Let's do that. About it. Let's do that. Yeah. And try, and then I think what we try and do is get wide receiver at the end of this round here with that extra 
their third round pick. Oh, Van Jefferson just went, and Jordan Brooks just went. Oof. And Matt Perkins. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts and Jacob Eason back to back. Wow. All right. So there's like there's at least three. Yeah, there's there's three linebackers that I would I would be surprised that they were all still here, but they're they are all still here. But let's see the wide receivers. E. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Offensive tack. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's just see the offensive tackles. There's nothing there. And then, yeah, this this might this might be the spot where they, they decide the edge rushers where they want to go. Yeah, uh, High Smith, I think it's. What, what was that? I, I would say High Smith of that group. Yeah, that's I was. Yeah, to say. Just for kicks and giggles, uh, cornerbacks. Yeah, no, no one that really should warrant this pick here. No one really had safety. Best player think, available. I think we're picking again pretty soon here for the top of the fourth, right? So right, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, let, let's, let's go, Highsmith. Yep, let's do it. It's been a while. Like we're, we were so used to them addressing edge rusher with just these traditional four three ends, but now it's clear that they want someone who can stand up and, and play off ball. And I think Highsmith being six three two forty eight, one of the best. Uh, athletes at this year's combine also really productive in Charlotte. They don't really go small school traditionally, but I think Highsmith has the profile that they're looking for this year. Yeah, I think he's a guy that a lot of AFC North teams will be looking at uh, just because of that. You interviewed him, right? Yeah, yeah. Interesting kid. That interview right, is up so. on our channels, by the way. So, uh, where, where, so you recap us where we're at, John, and then we'll we'll get going in the fourth round here. So after Burrow, we went Patrick Queen, best player available that fits a need, started round two, <clears throat> traded back with the Cleveland Browns at the beginning of round three, picked up a guard slash tackle type in Robert Hunt, which is probably the type that they're going to be looking for. Alex Smith, the versatile 3-4 uh, outside linebacker at edge rusher to round out round three. Okay. All right, here we are at the top of a round four, correct? So... Mm-hmm. Let's check out receiver. This is not a lot of promise here. <laughs> no. What about Gibson? Antonio Gibson, is he available? Antonio Gibson is available. Okay. Um, what about tight end? Who's there at tight end? Albert O, who might be the guy out of the highest upside here. He was, a, he was the okay. only real athlete out of this group. Okay. And then I guess what I. I Willie I mean, Gay, and Willie Davis Gay Jr. Yeah, or Davis Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I have no idea where, where Willie's going to go in this year's draft. I really yeah. don't. I, I would be inclined if if you know it push came to shove. I think the character thing. If both those guys are available, they have shown immense interest in Davis Gaither. I think Davis Gaither, Gaither would be the pick there over Gay personally, um, and probably mm -hmm. over Tro Troy Die. Um, that would be my my take. I would say either Davis Gaither or Gibson um, at this point. Maybe Davis Gaither first if you want to double dip, uh, or the the tight end if you think that's Alberto. Yeah. I, what what I, about I, the I'm, tackles? I'm, not there either. No, nah, I mean I, I think if they go offensive lineman uh, early now, I don't think they're going to go back to tackle this early. I just don't think the value is there right here. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like, 
they obviously were smitten with Davis, Davis Gibbs at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine. They did actually have a video conference with Willie Gay Jr. I think that was announced by or reported by Aaron Wilson. So there, there is some interest in there, as we would have expected. He's just an athletic linebacker that's projected to go where they want to. And again, this could be a spot where they just double dip if the value isn't there for other positions. So yeah, I'm with you. Either you double dip at linebacker here or you try to find some type of offensive weapon. Okay, you think Gay or Davis Gaither? I, th- I think I think Gay because okay. last year's value. Name, but, yeah, he he mentions a guy not at thirty three, but if he falls, I think there. I think the interest is is there. Let's now. do it. Let's do it. Let's right. do it. I mean, the, but oh. before that, we also have potential trade options. So we have the Chargers wanting to trade up, willing to give up their fifth round pick, or the Jags trading up from uh, pick ten in this round and giving up one of their um, extra fourth round picks at pick thirty one in this round. Hmm. So it's a lot similar to what we just saw, I believe, from the yeah. previous round. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, and the also, Jags if you want, one intrigues me. But um, go ahead. Yeah, like that. Uh, extra pick that the Jaguars will be willing to give up here. That's right around where the Patriots um, are going to pick in the fourth round. That that could be a pick that, that they could use to trade for Andy Dalton if that happens. And I think we wanted to see, you know, what that would look like in, in the draft, a, a, an extra player, an extra pick at that spot. So let's go ahead and take that. Okay. And let's see who's available. Okay. So they traded up for Willie Gay. A couple of receivers go off the board. Davis Thank Gaither you. went off the board. Yep. Alberto, wow! That uh... now we gave him more options to trade back. Uh, you wanted to stay put here? Yeah. All right. Well, probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's this this would give them nine picks. That's probably the most I could. I would. I would see them having in this draft, anyways. Uh, okay. Not not much Oof. here. Either. Yeah. This the well's getting pretty dry here. Um. I think they'd be interested in David yeah, Taylor. Taylor. They, yeah, they, they liked him at the Senior Bowl. He gives them versatility because he can rush the passer as well. Um, but, like, I mean, a couple of receivers went off and a couple of running backs went off. Antonio Gibson is still there. I, I'm inclined to maybe do that one um, because he gives you positional versatility uh, and there's just not much there at the wide receiver group. Um, I would right. say Gibson or, you know, Davian Taylor's interesting. Uh, anything in the interior offensive line or tackle that or tight end or anything like that? Driscoll. I'm just not seeing now. Yeah. Yep. I, 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 I think if they go hunt, that's probably your right guard with, with potential to move out the tackle. I don't think they would go with another guard here. So yeah, I think we're we're down to those couple options. Okay. So I mean, I, I I think there's an opportunity here to just take Taylor here now, and I think Gibson will still be available uh, at the end of round four based on who who's left available at the running backs position. So let's you want to try to do that? What what was that? The so we would pick Taylor here because there's okay. not a lot of and, and you think, and you think Gibson yeah. Gibson would be available given the extra pick? Yeah, that's that's fine. I think so. And if, and if he's not, you can fire me on the spot. All right. <laughs> what? Right, so where are we picking again? Uh, I believe that's pick thirty-one in this round. 
couple defensive tackles. Evan Weaver, who the Bengals really like. All right, so Gibson is now not only available, but he's one of the best players available. So I don't think we need to think much about this. Okay. Uh, we're getting some requests for for Thad Moss. I know you are not uh, as high on him as some of uh, some of our others. We are now in Thad Moss territory, right? We're in round five ish. Uh, Believe it or not, we were actually pa- we were actually past Thad Moss territory. He got he was one of the players that was quote unquote invited to the virtual draft, and he's like projected to go in the third round. Wow, which is ludicrous to me. Yeah, but. I don't see him being. Uh, I don't see him being that talented. But I, I, I mean, day three, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Right. Uh, okay. So here we are, right here. We've made a couple of trades. Round one, pick one, Joe Burrow. Round one, pick. Uh, excuse me. Um, uh, round two, pick one, Patrick Queen. Round three, pick ten. We move back, Robert Hunt, the interior offensive lineman out of Louisiana Lafayette. Round three, pick thirty-three, Alex Highsmith. Uh, basically at the end of the third round there, an edge player out of Charlotte. Round four, pick 10, we made another move back. Davian Taylor, the linebacker out of Colorado, really athletic kid, just kind of a lot of upside, but a lot of questions. And then we got a weapon for Joe Burrow at the end of round four, Antonio Gibson, the running back with a little bit of special teams and wide receiver versatility there, Antonio Gibson there. So um, I think where we what probably needs to be addressed, John, tackle. Wide receiver, tight end, maybe, uh, maybe mm-hmm. another interior offensive lineman. Um, you know, we've double dipped now at, at linebacker, so I think that that's. Um... Right. So, yeah, wide receivers available. I, I would probably consider Cephas here. I, he ran really badly at the combine, but I don't think he's 4'7. I think he's probably close to the 4'6. Um, but he's probably one of the more NFL ready receivers in this class. And this is who's that? Like, uh, Quintez Cephas, the guy from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he would be probably my receiver option here. I mean, uh, Devin, wow, I just cannot pronounce, I cannot pronounce the last name. Uh, Asaisi, I think, from UCLA. <laughs> he, he, he's my top graded tight end at this point. I, that Moss still doesn't intrigue me until a little bit later, but I know everybody's going to hate me for that. Um, is, I just don't have a lot of positive thoughts on these tackles remaining, but they right. did see, they did, they did coach Alex Taylor at the senior bowl. I mean, he did pretty well down there, so he could be an option here as well. I'll let you decide here. I, I would say what either tight end or they really, I'd really like to see him get a wide receiver, but there's just, there's just not the, the names here. Um, yeah, I mean, wow. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's something that I've, I've noticed. Like when doing these, like receivers just go off the board super fast in this sim, and it's never something that I expect. But I think it's just the fact that it's just a really deep class and everybody wants one and, and you can always have like more. So it's just kind of how it goes on some of these algorithms or whatever. But um, yeah, the, the receiver value and the tight end value is basically the same. And then it's just, it's just a matter of just, a, it really is just a matter of what, what position you want to go because at this point you're getting, to, you're getting to the end of a lot of teams boards and at least not, not a lot of these picks even matter anyways. So. Let's let's appease our our listeners and let's appease Joe Burrow and give him and pair him with Thad Moss here. I mean, round five, um, you know, I, I know maybe a little high. That that's where we're at right now, round five, right? So, 
Um, you know, maybe a little high for you. Uh, I'm fine with it. You know, it's a, it's a fifth round pick. I mean, again, this pick's probably not going to matter that much. So might as well get Joe Burrow, personal assistant, who might right. catch a couple balls a year. There you go. So we just selected that is so carries pads, carries you know helmet, maybe feed yeah. him some water on the sideline too. Well, let's try and get Thad Moss on the program if he ends up with the Bengals, and then you can tell him that that's his role <laughs> <laughs> going forward. I'm sure he'd be stoked on that. This is our final I love his, dad. His, his, his dad's the goat receiver. He's just mm. – yeah. Uh, this is our final mock draft. We've got a couple picks left going a little long. We apologize, but we've had a lot to get to tonight, and uh, this mock draft is turning out very interesting. Uh, a lot of good players, a lot of players – we moved back and saw a lot of players – get taken off the board. Um, so let's see where we're at here now. Round six. Hmm. I, okay, so we already went to linebacker again. We have not gone cornerback yet. Reggie Robinson, the second, would be incredible value here, I believe. If they want to address a cornerback, I think there's probably, if, if he's, I mean, it's not inconceivable that he's here. He's not the, like the hottest name, but I think he has a lot of fans in the inner circle. And I think if he's not best player available, he's one. Yeah, he's one of them. So I think if at this point they should probably go cornerback, and he's definitely the best available. Okay, let's do it. And uh, try, I guess, now with this last pick, maybe we look at wide receiver if we can, um, or. Uh, I actually have a I have a good route for that if we if we have to go there. Okay, so this is our final mock draft. We've got one more pick, and we will we will recap all of the picks for you. The, the final mock draft of the Orange and Black Insider is brought to you by DaisyShop.com. Go there, get get the special lady in in your life a a little gift or something to do during quarantine, something to wear, something to use during your little happy hour sessions. Tumblers, clothes, loungewear, puzzles, games, all that stuff. Go to DaisyShop.com. Also, if you need a mask, they're doing a nonprofit endeavor with that. So check that out. Use the code Burrow for 10% off your order. So we're here in round seven. Again, I picked it's probably not going to matter. And I, like I, again, we came into this hoping to address receiver early. That's what we wanted to do. Unfortunately, it just it just didn't just didn't go the way we wanted to. And I think that that's also something we have to remember. Like th th this is a, a time of deception where we kind of deceive ourselves into thinking the Bengals aren't going to mess this up. We, we've done so many mock drafts. We know exactly who's going to be there. We have no idea. We have no idea how high, you know, the Bengals have some of these other guys. And I, I, it, it's no team is going to draft like how you want them to draft in your mock draft. It's just not going to happen. And that's why right. you have picks like Drew Sample and you're thinking, what the hell is this? Like, there was no way this guy was like the Bengals, even with only seven picks, they're bound to have a pick or two like that, where they make a lot of people question what, you know, what the hell are they doing? And, and and this kind of reminds me of 2014, where everybody loved that receiver class. It ended up being obviously a good one with Odo Beckham Jr. and Devontae Adams just in a few. The Bengals had to wait to the seventh. The Bengals waited to the seventh round and took James Wright, and they missed out on a lot of good receivers. And ended up having hurting at the position for years to come because they just didn't address it in time. And that could be another situation here if the board, if their board just happens to align with other positions, and then receivers get you know taken off the market like toilet paper in a, in a quarantine session. That, that's just could be how it goes. Yep. So but not much, not much left there. A wide receiver, John. Um, 
if they have to wait this long, Lawrence Cager is the guy that they, they did actually meet with uh, over FaceTime. And I think just in recent years, I just remember like any time we hear an announcement like this late in in the season about a, like a meeting that happened, you have to assume that it's legitimate interest. It's just you know checking up on him and, and whatever. I, I think that's what we heard about Ryan Stidley last year. We, we heard that a couple days before the draft, and he ended up being the only quarterback that they even liked in last year's class. So I I, I would hope that Cager's not the only in the first receiver that they draft in the actual thing, but I do think that if he ends up going on un, going undrafted. The Bengals have legitimate interest to sign him. At this point, a seventh round pick is basically an undrafted signing. So if they have to go receiver and these are the players left, I think Cage is the guy. I would I would go that before you make the selection, though. Interesting point brought up by Matthew Simpson in the in the Facebook chat. Blankenship meaning kicker. Uh, mm. Is that something that uh, I mean? That's the only guy there that's draftable. Uh, is that something that you want to think about instead of a, a wide receiver? I think the wide receiver, especially since they met with him, that makes sense. Um, Jeff Hobson has come to the defense of Randy Bullock lately. Uh, I don't know. Is that something they need to think about? Or is kicker just, you know, that's an undrafted thing and we'll see what happens. I, I think fans are infatuated with drafting kickers when in reality there's just no value to it. Like even 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 Jake Elliott in the fifth round didn't exactly fit the value of that compared to other players on the board. But obviously they should have kept Elliott. They shouldn't have cut him. And when they invested that pick in him, um, I, I just don't love drafting kickers in general. And I don't think that they're that interested in moving on from Randy Bullock in the first place. If I was, if I had to draft a kicker, if there was a gun to my head telling me I had to do it. I would take Tyler Bass, but I don't even see him on this database. So maybe he goes on draft to maybe to give him a call. Because he's the guy, he's a leg that could legitimately, legitimately compete with Bullock. But I'm just not a fan in wasting picks on kickers. Yeah, let's go Cager. Let's go Cager, the wide right. receiver. Get him a wide receiver and a guy that they've met with. That makes sense. Another Georgia uh, guy. Yeah, and a Georgia guy. Exactly. That is that. that we'll, we'll recap the picks here in just a second as this mock draft finishes up. Uh, we got nine picks out of the Bengals. We made two trades back in rounds at the top of round three and the top of round four to get a couple of picks. We did that not only because the value didn't seem to be there, but we did feel that the Bengals are probably going to try and trade back. I would say one of, if not both of those rounds, I do not think they're going to trade back from 33. Some people are all over that. I I just don't, I think you're going to get a first round talent there. I've said that a bunch of times. I think you stay there. I think what you look to try and do is move Dalton and or move back in the fourth round or the fifth round. Uh, they're saying nice job to us, John. So I guess I guess we did did pretty well. You can see here on the nobody right, likes Mike Trust. Yeah, on the right on the right hand side of the screen we're sharing, Joe Burrow at pick number one. Patrick Queen, pick number one in the second round. Robert Hunt is who we got the interior offensive lineman with some center guard versatility there. Uh, at, at the 10th pick in the third round after moving back in a trade with the Cleveland Browns, Alex Highsmith at the end of round three, the edge player. A lot of athleticism, a lot of versatility there. Just questions being a small school guy and, uh, you know, some things he has to learn at the next level. Davian. Taylor, uh, the the 10th pick in the fourth round, the second linebacker we took to really bolster up that position group. And then we went with a little fun weapon, running back, wide receiver, special teams guy, Antonio Gibson at the end of round four. 
We got Joe Burrow, his best friend at the top of round five, tight end Thaddeus Moss. Round six, we got a cornerback, Reggie Robinson, out of Tulsa. Really interesting player, by the way. I think he is also maybe a guy that Matt Minnick has talked about and or covered in some of his stuff. Uh, really interesting player there. And Lawrence Cager, a wide receiver that the Bengals met with recently out of Georgia. Um, we tried to get guys that not only filled needs, guys they've met with, and uh, you know, guys that bring some versatility in some of these picks. I, I, I personally would have liked to have seen wide receiver picked by round three, but I, I just, the, the way this board fell the, and, and, you know, the value wasn't there, John. Um, so we know the Bengals try not to reach Duke. Tobin told you in an interview a couple months ago that they like to go best player available and uh, that we tried to stick to that. Right. And again, I, I don't think that queen, I mean, I think it's unlikely queen's going to be there and I don't think Murray's going to be there. And if that's the case, then they're just going to talk themselves into a linebacker. And I I do think if I had to make a prediction, like they're going to draft at least an offensive tackle or wide receiver by the end of day two. Um, It's just a matter of when I I think I agree with James, the value at receiver or the value of linebacker is much better at the top of the third round, but that's based off of the things that we think we know. We don't, we don't expect Logan Wilson to get picked in the top 40. We don't expect Jordan Brooks to get picked in the top 40 until they do, because that's what the NFL has been planning on all along. And the media is just starting to catch up with it. So these different perceptions about what the actual value is for some of these positions, and these players, it gets all jumbled up. And I wish I, I wish I remembered this feeling all throughout the draft season, because again, it, we, we stick to these rankings that we see throughout March and, and February, March and April, and they don't mean anything because they're not real. They haven't been caught up to what, you know, people are hearing from actual NFL teams and the fact that this is going to be so much different, like how much different could this, will this be? Because we don't, we didn't have a traditional draft cycle with all these pro days or whatnot. So uh, again, there's going to be some picks. There's going to be some strategies where you're thinking, what are you doing? Like, this is not what you're supposed to do. This is not how, how I wanted my mock draft to look, but at the end of the day, they, they get, they're going to get Joe Burrow. They're going to get the most valuable player in this draft. And however much, you know, solid talent that they build around him, that, that that's just going to determine the overall quality of it. Yeah, there's some fun players in there, and I tell you what, if they got Patrick Queen, Davian Taylor, Alex Highsmith, I mean, if they're adding those guys in the middle rounds to a defense where they just added DJ Reader, you just added Von Bell, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, that defense should make a pretty quick turnaround if, if that's how things kind of fall out, uh, fall here, given free agency and the draft. But that is our, our final mock draft, and we did it through fan speak, final mock draft courtesy of daisyshop.com. Go uh, go check out some stuff there. Do some shopping, Mother's Day, special gifts for your loved ones, whatever the case may be. Go get some masks from them. daisyshop.com, Burrow is the code to use. John, this was thanks for taking the, the reins on this, my friend, and thank you for all of the work you put in on the research with all of the players. Uh, this, was, this was awesome. This was awesome, and we'll post this here. We'll see how close we are as the draft unfolds coming up here. Uh, yeah, man. this, this, we've got a little long, but we've got, we had a lot to get to our shows coming up. So a lot of people are asking what we're going to be doing for the draft. I, I don't want to say still to be determined. Cause that's not the case. We're going to be taking the air tomorrow on night one. We'll probably do something casual. Uh, some people are asking zoom. Some people are asking, you know, we may do like a Google hangouts where we do video, or maybe we just take the air like this a little earlier 
whether it's just myself and John joins me a little later. I know he's he's busy with the site stuff too. Um, maybe if you guys want to chat, we can do that. Um, it, it, the, unfortunately, this platform doesn't allow us to do multiple video streams. It, it maxes out at about six to eight people. So um, that's hard to do. If you want to do a video chat, we'll try and figure something else out. Let us get in touch with us and let us know what you want to do. And we'll try and do something probably from uh, 7 Eastern to about 740 and then we'll probably take the air from there on our live show to go lead you up to the draft, we'll, the announcement of the pick, and we'll go from there. Our show will conclude shortly after the announcement of the first pick, and we talk about it. At the end of night one, though, Matt Minnick will be taking the air, and he will be going over best available. Um, so you won't want to miss that. He'll be going live as well on F Cincy Jungle's Facebook page and, and other stuff. So uh, check that out. Matt Minnick will be going live to, to walk you through night one or uh, excuse me best available for night two we'll be taking the air shortly again shortly before night two um to talk about the pick and, and the announcement of the pick and then you know we'll do all that we'll go with you again to react to some of the picks on saturday and then we may do a wrap-up thing on sunday as well so that's kind of the, the a little bit of the plan if you subscribe to our channels we will let you know but if you want to do a specific hangout session a casual happy hour whatever we are down for it um we're, we're, we gotta, we gotta have a little downtime before we, we do another episode, <laughs> I think. So we would, and we would love to interact with you guys. So uh, if that's something you want to do, let's, let's do it. Uh, it'll probably be, you know, for about 30, 45 minutes before the, the first round and before we take the air uh, is kind of what I'm thinking, John. Um, and if you mm -hmm. can cool, if not, then it'll be just me. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is like the, the biggest sporting event for the next, three months. So I might as well take advantage of it, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, thanks for all the work you've done, man. I, I can't thank you enough. This, I, I mentioned it earlier. This is the 17th episode in a matter of a week that our crew has pumped out. And we've had in a week, not only the 17 episodes, we have had Icky Woods. We've had Sean Salisbury. We've had, uh, I'm probably going to miss some. We've had Dahani Jones. We've had Anthony Munoz. We've had James Rapine. We've had just guest after guest after guest coming on the program. And we hope you've enjoyed what we've been giving you. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be, uh, you know, we, want, we wanted those people on the show because we felt that you guys would enjoy that. Hopefully you did. So if you haven't had the chance yet, check out those interviews. Check out the other shows, the Mega Roundtable show we did the other night and whatnot. Uh, James Rapine did join us tonight, courtesy of New Era Hats. So go get your last-minute draft gear. And I think that's going to do it tonight, John. We're going to drop the mic and get out of here in our uh, mic drop segment. what do You you got any surprises or anything else in mind uh, that you think could play out in the draft? Something where you say, wow, because this draft's going to be way different than any other draft we've watched. Right. And I, I think I'm just going to continue with this theme. Like we're going to see some picks that we think is weird in like the 20 range, but that's just kind of yeah. how it is every year. Like there's just people don't really know who, who, you know, is graded that highly in terms of just outside of that lock for the first round range. So there's going to be a couple of running backs. There may be, you know, a, a safety like a Jeremy Chin who sneaks in there. It's going to be interesting to see how many off if the number of offensive tackles exceeds the number of wide receivers and how the runs on those positions affect what the Bengals want to do. I think if I just want to make a bold prediction, it's, uh, the second round pick is not going to be, it's going to be kind of 
like last year, but hopefully not as bad where it's like there's all these players available and the Bengals make a pick that kind of makes you scratch your head. And we'll, we'll, have, we'll have time to talk about that on Friday as well um, while we're recapping that as well. But I, I think it's it's going to be surprising a little bit because we're on a little bit of a high. We're going to get Burrow. We're, we're going to be, in, you know, the first pick in each round. We're going to have players slide to us. But at the end of the day, like NFL teams are a little bit unpredictable from what we think we know about the draft. So that's that's not going to change. Yep. And I, like I said, I think versatility is going to be a trait they look for. Guys that can do multiple things because of the limited amount of picks they currently have. And Lou Anarumo has made it clear he wants guys that can do multiple things on defense. He wants different looks on defense. He wants guys that are movable pieces on defense. I think Zach Taylor would like some of the same on offense to give him creative outlets that he wants to use on offense. So I, I to me, I just think, like you said, I, I kind of parlay that into what you said in terms of a little bit of head scratcher type of picks where you go, well, they don't need a running back. Well, maybe the running back has high end receiving versatility, you know, Oh, they already picked a linebacker. Why are they getting another one? Well, one has a little bit more pass rush ability than the other, you know, things like that where, uh, you know, Oh, they, they overlooked a tackle. Why do they do that? Well, because they got the, another wide receiver because they're worried about the state of that group going for, you know, things like that. And, uh, I, I think there may be some things where we go, oh, really? But hopefully it works out for him. Hopefully it works out for him. I do think that we'll see some movement, though, in terms of trades and whatnot. Yeah. Well, you thanks, think Andy Dahl gets traded? Who? You think Andy Dahl gets traded? Uh, I I think so. I think so. Uh, it's not going to so. be for – you don't think so? I, I think no. it's going to I think it's going to be for something low. Uh, it, yeah, but I, I can see a scenario where he doesn't, and they may they may just uh, let him. I, they they can't hang on to that contract. They cannot, and they, yeah. and I don't think they can hang on to him in the same locker room as Joe Burrow. Not that Dalton would be a cancer of any kind, but I just I don't see that happen. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We've had a long show, but a great one. James Rapine joined us to, to talk about the Bengals, talk about his mock draft on allbengals.com, part of the uh, Sports Illustrated Network. So go check out his work. He's doing awesome stuff, building up that All Bengals site and the following with that. If you're not looking at cincyjungle.com, which I don't know why you would be, go over to allbengals.com and check out what he's doing over there. Great guy, and he gave us a lot more time than we would have thought, and we we appreciate that. He joined us courtesy of New Era and our final mock draft that went through the uh, fan speak simulator. John drove us through that one. Um, that was brought to us by daisyshop.com. Go check that out and uh, let us know what you think of the picks. And, hey, if you want to hang out with us tomorrow, let's do it. Let's 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 figure out a way. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chill with you, whether it's just us chatting with you like this for a little bit before the show or if you want to maybe try a video chat where you hang out with us we'd love to do that too we're game um but we're putting in the time we'll be around so let's do it um let us know though how you want to do it and uh we'll try and collect a consensus and, and go for it and we'll shoot it out to everybody thanks everyone get the show on itunes stitcher spotify google play megaphone youtube iHeartRadio. Jungle.com. Keep it to CincyJungle.com this weekend for all your draft coverage, news updates, breaking news, and analysis. Keep it to our channel. Subscribe to, to be notified when we go live and when new stuff is out for you. Enjoy the draft! <laughs>
We'll be talking to you. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.